1: Blue wire. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Big Blue Banter Podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, and I'm joined as always by my co host, Nick Pilato. Let's cut to the chase. The Giants are a 2 and 6 ball club that has lost consecutive games they could have easily won. I know we're starting to sound like a broken record, but if you watched either of these past two games, broadcast angle, all 22, you would have to come away with the same conclusion. In today's 31 to 26 loss to the Giants, a game where the Giants once again won time of possession for a second straight week. They were outgained by just five total yards. They won the turnover battle, and they had twenty. They had seven more first downs, twenty-four to seventeen, than the Detroit Lions. But the Giants still managed to trail by double-digit points for a portion of this game. Unacceptable. It's unimaginable how they can be so close in so many key metrics. And in this game, even win the turnover battle, you know, a good reason why they lost to the Cardinals because they lost the turnover battle. And yet trail at large points for double digits uh, by double digit points in the game. Let's start off with a little bit of a hot take here, Nick, in your estimation on your first run through without the benefit of the All-22, who is most to blame for this loss?
2: I always say football is a team game and I always like to kind of state that and preface it, but it starts at the top and it has to start with the decision maker that's on the field on Sunday, and that is head coach Pat Shermer. There's just been, and we've seen it in consecutive weeks, him not employing his skilled position players in the most advantageous ways and kind of being rigid with his play calling, keep running Saquon Barkley on these first and tens and just not putting Daniel Jones in these really precarious situations that are really hard for a rookie quarterback to kind of get himself out of. I love to like just look at the one play I can't remember exactly when it was when he had that arrow route, that Texas route with Saquon Barkley coming out of the backfield, getting him in space, expanding the linebacker that was in man coverage on Barkley outside and having Barkley use his incredible athleticism to explode inside. And it was a good like 20-yard game. And it's getting incredibly frustrating, Giants Nation, to see other teams employ their skilled position players in such good ways. Yes, Carolina got their asses kicked this week. But you see Christian McCaffrey put in positions to succeed time and time again. Why can't we see that with Saquon Barkley, Dan?
1: Yeah, I mean, it sounds a little bit to me, Nick, like you're blaming Pat Shermer for this loss. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, let me say something. I'm not going to be the one to talk you up that ledge. I'm not going to be the one to back it up. Now, there are candidates to be the GOAT for this loss, and not GOAT is in greatest of all time. GOAT is in the GOAT. And Antoine Bethea, at least on the broadcast angle, looked to be completely out of position on a couple big plays. Grant Haley continues to get just absolutely torched in coverage. Danny Amendola in this game, who you know came into this game without a single notable performance really with the with the Lions, had eight receptions for 95 yards, key third and longs. So the Giants that past events gave up tons of third. First of all, they gave up eight of third, 14 on third down conversions, which is ridiculously high. They allowed. Long third down conversions, long ones, third and sevens, third and 15s, another third and seven. Here's a third and nine I see. Just looking at the play sheet right now with Stafford and Galladay for 16 yards, I mean, over and over again. But for me, in a game this close where the New York Giants are five yards away from matching the the Lions yardage total, where they have more first downs, a lot more first downs, better time possession, they win the turnover battle, and yet— they lose the game and they weren't really all that close, even though the final score was close. And you look at it and you have a game where your rookie quarterback plays just as good, about as good a football as you can ask with the exception of the weird lateral play. And you ask yourself, what's the difference here? And could it be the fact that Pat Shermer consistently running the ball on first and 10 for no gains? He had a final stretch uh, during the end of the game where he ran the ball five times combined for zero yards on first and 10, put his team in second and long. And listen, I'm not going to just sit here and blurt out the analytics at you guys. Yes, the analytics say there's a lot better options than running the ball on first down. One option is, as Nick talked about, a few more arrow routes over the middle, getting your running back one-on-one in coverage against the linebacker. This is not this is not rocket science here. It's simple stuff. There are a lot of other options to use your passing games, an extension of the run game, to run the ball in more favorable situations on second and third down maybe against favor- more favorable boxes. But that's not the Pat Schirmer way. He wants to get the ball in Saquon Barkley's hand, holler high water. I can't wait to see the All-22, Nick, to see how many unfavorable boxes they ran at. Um, But, you know, overall, this is just one asset and one facet of the problem with Pat Shermer, and that's his play calling. He does does have some good moments. I mean, some of the stuff they designed in the red zone was really awesome. They used pre-snap motion. They got guys open. Barkley on an easy touchdown, you know they were able to get things going from their few red zone trips. They were two of three in the red zone scoring touchdowns. Uh, For example, the Lions only had one total red zone trip. You know, Giants are losing games because they're giving up massive big plays on defense, but it's also these in-game situational coaching, his clock management, and then the first half was also subpar. Um, You just get the feeling that Something has to give here with the play calling. The Giants have to become a team that uses the pass to open up the run rather than a team that tries to use the run to open up the pass. But on that note, Nick, I want to get off the hot takes for a little bit. I want to kind of get your feeling on what was going on in that first half and for large portions of the second half until the third, fourth quarter on third downs for the Giants defense. Because like I said, the Lions went eight of 14 A lot of these third downs were third and sevens, third and nines, a third and 15 they hit for
2: a touchdown. So what happened there with the Giants? Whatever the Giants threw at the Lions, they seem to have some sort of answer. And a lot of their answers were just pointed at Grant Haley. And we've been a big supporter of Grant Haley on his podcast in terms of his run support and his physicality in that facet of playing defense. But when it comes to the pass, he is just a straight liability on flat routes, on really any kind of quick breaking routes because he just doesn't have the athletic ability or the size to keep up with a lot of these receivers. Danny Amendola is not even a big guy, but his quickness in and out of routes and his ability to run routes just had him chasing the entire game. And these blown coverages are another thing as well that we just keep seeing. The Giants have been susceptible to these really big plays where they'll just create a high low and the safety whether it be Bethay or whether it be Michael Thomas, is never able to cover that outside part when they're playing the center field. They can't get over there. Now, I'm not expecting them to be Malik Hooker from his Ohio State days or or Ed Reed or something like that, but it seems like they don't even pick up on the fact that there is a route concept to whichever side of the field that is going to be going deep, and they're always late, and the Giants' defense keeps getting burned in these situations. But on these third downs, man, we saw it last week as well. They're just a huge liability. I saw, I think, two or three nickel blitzes, or one of them, the Giants, ended up getting the sack on Matthew Stafford. I believe that was a third down. That was actually really good to see because uh, it was the cornerback rerouted the slant on the line of scrimmage. I believe it was Jack Rabbit, and there was nowhere for Matt Stafford to throw the ball in the nickel blitz, which was Grant Haley, ended up getting there awesome to see. And you like seeing Lorenzo Carter getting pressure, which he's been doing time and time again. Uh, I want to say he played 56 snaps, 56 of the 62 total defensive snaps, which is really encouraging to be honest, but the team still doesn't have that premier pass rusher to get home, to win that one V one matchup consistently. And there's a liability in the slot. And some of these quarterbacks love to target a the liability and a the slot because it's quick, get the ball out of your hands. And when it comes to Grant Haley, man, they've just been open, and it's really, really frustrating. This defense really needs to figure out that third-down defense because it's just been killing the Giants, and the defense just gets tired and tired because they're out there, and it's really killing the Giants as a team.
1: Yeah, and you bring up some excellent points there, Nick, that are really— all spot on. And you, you think about like the slot vertical, the giants got hit with by the lions early in the game. And it's, you know, the slot verts are a lot of, a lot of what the giants have done as a passing offense and found success with. It's really what a lot of what the NFL is doing. But if that's the case and you got opposing quarterbacks targeting slot guys, and you have a slot guy like Grant Haley, who has been such a liability in pass coverage over and over and over again, I think you're at the point where you have to make a change. And at that point you look at the guys on the bench and you're talking about well, Sam Beal's going to start practicing. Let's see if he can get up to speed. But I don't know because this is a defense that's super complicated. And you even heard earlier this week when Janoris Jenkins said something about, you know, why do you love playing for Steve Spagnuolo? Why would you entertain the idea of a trade to the Chiefs? Maybe it's because he said, I know that defense inside out. I don't know where we're always supposed to be. And I understand and can play for his style of defense. Basically, you know, he's basically taking a shot at Betcher there. By, by saying, listen, I've been in this defensive system for two years and we're still having miscommunications and we're still, you know, having issues from that standpoint. And the other awesome point you brought up there, Nick, that I really haven't been harping on. It's just how big of a need a center field type safety with ranges for this football team. And the Giants, you know, are a team that has been missing that for a long time, really since Antrell role. And even in the later years of Antrell role, his speed started to tail off a bit and he no longer could really play that center field rangey role the way he was really, you know, at its peak doing it. And even there, you know, there's guys who do it much better just in that specific uh, standpoint you know with those high low routes and a lot of the you know the the issues that plot that plagued the Giants this year in a lot of NFL defenses those slot verticals somebody who can kind of step in and make a play on that you saw even the Lions nearly jumped um a vertical route Daniel Jones threw earlier in the game before he settled down for an interception but you know you haven't seen any of those plays really from that Giants safety corpse this year we'll call him because like you mentioned you know Michael Thomas is getting a lot of snaps too and they're kind of using peppers and more of that hybrid role Nick but you know on that note too, I wanted to kind of go over like the, the early just parts of this game, which was just so bizarre to me, Nick. I mean, Giants start the game off right away on the first drive with a punt. After on third and eight, they just can't get anything going. They start by run by by missing. Uh, Jones starts the game by missing Barkley down the left. On a finally, they're using you know that wheel route vertical set. Um, but then after that, the Giants finally you know made a stop by getting that interception with with, with um, Janoris Jenkins and. The next play was that bizarre, you know, lateral there uh, where, you know, Jones trying to throw the ball in the flat to Barkley uh, doesn't see the late blitz up the A-gap. What do you make of that play um, overall? Who's really to blame
2: or what just happened on that? In my opinion, it was just excellent scheming by Matt Patricia and that entire defense because they obviously watched the film because you we've seen this and we've like alluded to it talked about a little bit on the podcast how the offensive line delays and things of that nature have thrown them off and the way they aligned now i haven't had the all 22 but it looked like they had a three tech and i want to say like a two eye tech and they both released outside so the centers and the guards both fanned outside creating that huge alley for gerard davis just to run right through because all the blockers were committed and Saquon was out on a route and that just slight delay that's all it takes is that millisecond delay where Davis isn't going to show so Jalapio will commit to his block as you're supposed to and then he just runs right at DJ and there's really nothing DJ can do at that time that's just excellent scheming by the defense of the Detroit Lions and was really damn frustrating because DJ was just about to get the ball out of his hand and we saw this a couple more times that The Lions utilized this delay blitz, and I want to say Wayne Goldman had an excellent pickup. He kind of got trucked a little bit, but a little bit later on in this, I want to say in the second quarter, maybe late in the first, he picks up Davis on that same blitz. So the Giants adjusted to it, but it was an excellent time to utilize that blitz and force a rookie quarterback into a mistake, I guess you can call it, just a fumble, and then ended up in a touchdown for Detroit and a hole on the road for the New York Giants. I do love how Daniel Jones was able to bounce back down 14-0 and lead the team down for that touchdown to make the game 14 to seven he came back and they hit a couple important third and fours and there was even i want to say a pretty bad penalty on that drive that the giants were able to bounce back from i'm not sure if it was a hold or what it was but that showed a lot of grit from daniel jones to be able to do that on the road and
1: make the game a one score game Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely touch on that, but I did want to get – even just to get to that point, Nick, you know, it was just a bizarre string of events. That play, you know, Jones is taking a lot of heat for it on Twitter during the game, but the more I look at that play, and I've rewatched it a few times on the broadcast – you can blame maybe, I guess you can blame maybe you should have tried to roll out, I guess some people are saying, or he didn't process it fast enough. That was just a really good scheme by the Lions and a really good play, and he tried to get that ball to where, you know, the right place to go with it, give Barkley a chance one-on-one, check it down, but it just was a tick too slow, and we'll see what happens there. But that puts them at 7 nothing, and then, you know, on the next drive, the Giants right away go to the Barkley run up the middle for no yards, put themselves in a second and 10 hole there, and you just look at this play, and, and like I said, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to pour it in on the analytics here with this team, but there's teams like, you know, you see it games where the teams are winning the line of scrimmage. You saw it tonight with the Green Bay Packers victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. They were churning up rushing yards at will, but that wasn't this game for the Giants. So it just doesn't make sense. And before you know it, they're punting the ball. And then on that very next drive for the Lions, they were faced with a third and eight. Bang, they hit Amendola on an up-tempo play where the Giants are just—Haley's just completely—like you said, he's just not able to compete off the snap. And then they get—the Giants put him in a 3rd-and-15 situation, and yet they can't do anything about it, the Giants. They give up that long 49-yard touchdown pass to Marvin Hall, blown coverage over the top of Thea. Now you're in that 14-0 hole, and like you said, Nick, Giants did an excellent job here. Jones really settled down on this drive. Hit plays of 18 yards to Evan Ingram— of 11 yards to Evan Ingram, 18 to Tate, really led the drive before that 22-yard pass, touchdown pass to Darius Slay on first and 10, um, where, you know, it gives his wide receiver a chance. That's all that you want him to do. But like you said, got buried in a first and 20 after an offensive pass interference. Got out of that by throwing the football there with three passes. Tate, Ingram, Tate, five, 11, 18 yards there. Just started to really feel it during that drive. Um, and that was a touchdown. And that leads me to my next point, Nick. Um, overall, what did you make of Daniel Jones's performance here, where, you know, he had a game where he had 300—well, actually, 28 of 41, averaged 7.9 yards per attempt, which is a really healthy number, four passing touchdowns and 322 yards in this game for Jones. Um, So what did you make, not only of his overall performance, but what do you think the Giants did in order to kind of get him settled in?
2: I mean, I did appreciate— the pre-snap motion as we talked about on last week's podcast them incorporating that just to open up things along the defense but what i was impressed about daniel jones was his placement of the ball and his ability to notice that he needs to put it back shoulder cuz some of those plays i don't believe they were actually designed to be back shoulder it was just him and darius slayton being on the same page especially that first touchdown on uh, on the first and 10 play in the second the cornerback ...covered him well, I want to say with Rashad Melvin. He was on top of Slayton. The ball had to be to the back shoulder... ...because Elijah Penny, who was the outside guy... ...he just stayed on the line of scrimmage... ...forced that underneath defender to kind of go towards him. And Slayton was the number two receiver... ...released outside, of vertical, towards the field. And he was able to have that back shoulder open... ...even though there was someone over top of him. That was a really good throw by Daniel Jones. And you could see Jones and Slayton developing this chemistry... And I did like the fact that they were throwing the ball. I mean, the drive before this, Daniel Jones almost threw that interception along the sideline to Tracy Walker. And you seem like he might be rattled. He's down 14-0 on the road against the Detroit Lions. And what does he do? He throws the ball, picks up an easy first down right off the bat, and they keep throwing the ball. And then there's an offensive pass interference penalty. It wasn't a holding penalty. It was an offensive pass interference penalty that was total bullshit on Benny Fowler. And they just were able to pick up a first on that third and four to Golden Tate, as you alluded to before. So, man, I liked how the Giants were allowing him to throw on this specific drive, which was a key drive. That the Giants wanted to do anything in this game early on on the road. So I was happy that Pat Sherman kind of allowed him to do that on this
1: specific yeah. drive. Yeah. And what do you know, Nick? The Giants were able to move, start moving the ball once they let the pass open up the run game, because that is how good football teams do it. Ah, You saw it tonight. Even with the Kansas City Chiefs Chiefs who mustered a lot of offense out of Matt Moore there at quarterback. You gotta use the pass to open up the run game. It doesn't matter where your team's built around. You can still run the ball. You can still run the ball a lot when you open up the pass uh, the running game with the pass game. But that's where it all starts. Um and like you said, excellent excellent point you made about Jones. Really what we've harped on here is, you know, some of the mistakes and some of what you some people maybe want to call bad stretches of football prior to this game. We're not because of ball placement, and that's so key. When the ball placement is there, that's a really, really, really good sign and good trait. And he's cleaning; he's going to clean up some of these mistakes. The timing is going to get better. You know that he's going to start seeing more defenses. You know, even now, you know, defenses are blitzing the hell out of Jones. That's kind of the book right now. It has been at least. And he did a good job again today against the blitz. I thought I saw, um, you know, a couple mishaps but for the most part he did a really good job there and obviously you know they then went on that next drive where Jones gives you a chance on third and longs the Giants second touchdown pass to get the uh, score to 14 13 obviously Aldrich Rose is with an unacceptable missed extra point there but you know was a 28 yard pass on third and seven from the Lions 28 yard line for the touchdown I mean that's a keep what he does there is he sees that one-on-one and he puts the ball up and gives his wide receiver a chance to make a play and Darius Slayton continued with the exception of the drop before halftime Darius Slayton has made every single play that's come his way, which is a crazy thing to say about a, any round draft pick, but certainly a fifth round draft pick. And so, you know, overall, I was, I'm was i with you. I thought Jones really got cooking in this game and really had a long stretch where he was really difficult to stop. I mean, that those were two touchdown drives, and then he obviously didn't get the ball until the second drive of the third quarter because the Lions went on a five-minute drive to start second half, but then he did an, led another touchdown drive um before you know finally punting and going out on downs in the next two drives but overall did you see any improvement at least in pass protection from the offensive line obviously with the exception of two very very costly Nate Solder uh, mistakes and you can talk about those if you want to as
2: well yeah I want to wait for the all 22 to really touch on those mistakes just because it's easier to see and break it down but I thought the offensive line played a lot better just in pass protection again we saw how Jerrod Davis was able to blitz that A-gap and kind of fool them on the delay, but then they stepped up at pass protection, includes the running back. Gallman was able to pick that up, and I was encouraged to see that. I thought they did play just overall better on the road, but again, I do like to have the All-22 to really evaluate it and see how they picked up stunts and things along those lines. kind of hard to see from the broadcast, but overall, it seemed like they played much better outside of Solder kind of shitting his pants a couple times, (laughs) and it, it always seems like with Solder, man, I don't... like. I don't know what it is, but I feel like he'll make a mistake on like a second down that's like, ah, shit, that sucked. And then like the third down, he'll make another one or just it's like a consecutive plays where I'll, I'll write down. I'll be like Nate Solder and I'll be like, damn, man, come on, bro. Like what's going on here? And uh, I'm a little excited to see exactly what went down on those plays on the L-22.
1: Yeah, Solder really had some disastrous plays, at least in my opinion, just from the broadcast angle, a big penalty that really stalled the drive and then obviously, you know, allowed some pressures that really killed the Giants in tough spots and big moments. But, you know... Aside from him, really, I thought it was a strong job by the offensive line up front against a, you know, Detroit Lions front has been pretty solid this year, and they have some big names on that front as well with Flowers and, you know, with some of the other guys they've got up there, even though they are a bit banged up on the defensive line at the moment. But still, overall, I like the job they did there. Uh, Nick, I wanted to talk to you about some, some just some of the key, kind of key calls that went against the Giants in this one. None more costly than that running into the punter. That really, in a game where, again, the Giants, you know, are right there with the Lions in total yards, better first down, time possession, all the things we already went over. These little key moments make such a difference, and Giants finally get a stop of the Lions to force a punt from around their own 40, fourth and four, uh, with two minutes left on the clock, and they get called for a really ticky-tacky roughing the punter. I mean, we don't have to go over the call because I think everyone realizes it was a bad call, and the Giants will be getting an apology from the NFL, which means nothing, but they get it during the week, so they can look forward to that. A nice apology letter from the NFL does nothing. Doesn't There's no give back calls in the next game, nothing like that. But, you know, what ends up happening is the Lions are able to extend the drive and make the score 17-13 before half. Instead of punting up 14-13, giving the ball around the 20 to Jones, who at that point is red hot. Jones at this point has led two straight touchdown drives and really third downs, sec- first downs, and really just start to make big plays uh, with his arm and, you know, picking apart this line secondary. So my question for you is, did that I guess I guess we already went over if that looked like a penalty, Nick. I'm sure you don't disagree on that. Do you yeah. believe that was as big of a turning point as I
2: do? I guess is the better question. I mean, I believe it was the turning point of the game. Again, like you you just laid it out. Daniel Jones was red hot up to this point, and they had the Detroit Lions on their heels. He was throwing the ball incredibly well. There was a lot of confidence around the team. The defense makes a big stop to get the ball back. You have a two minute drill. You know they practice that in practice, but what happens? David Mayo's hand grazes the punter. the punter, you know, gets his Oscar by falling down on the ground. And then some ref who's probably new and has absolutely no idea what he's doing sees a punter fall down. and He throws that flag that just cannot happen. These reactionary calls that the officials are doing, and I feel like they're doing them a lot. This season, they're killing teams. They're making people lose their jobs, and it's a freaking shame, to be honest. That, to me, was the biggest turning point of the game because instead of possibly going up, maybe scoring a touchdown, say they even kick a field goal. You get the lead. You go into halftime feeling comfortable. Instead, they end up getting the field goal. They maintain their lead and then the lions get the ball at half i mean that's just unacceptable
1: you know you look back at this game and that's and that that's right before halftime and then second half opens up with two long scoring drives first by the lions and then by the giants and the giants finally force a punt so really the giants are getting the ball back for the first for the second time in the whole in the whole second half with 322 left it's just a tough spot there's only so many possessions you have plays like that you have coaching calls you have play calls you have Calls by the refs that make such a big difference in games like this, where it really can be decided. That this next drive by the Giants, they after forcing the Lions to punt, they took it over 322 and you know ran the ball through the third quarter before they punted. But they lost that drive because after the Jones had already gotten them out of a first and 10 where Saquon Barkley ran the ball for no gain and another first and 10 after a 17-yard pass where Saquon Barkley ran the ball with no gain. Nate Soldier's col- uh, gets called for the holding call on first and 10 from their own 48 and it just puts them too far behind the sticks at first and 20 and that is just a dry- was really a drive-killing penalty by Soldier and overall a really a big you know, key moment in this game because now the clock's ticking and time is running out and, you know, we're, we're nearing the fourth quarter and the Giants are trailing by 12 at this point based on how that first half ended. Um, so anyway, just something to keep an eye on there where the Giants really, you know, with limited possessions can't be making these these stupid
2: penalties, no matter if it's individual on solder or whoever it may be. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave, it really hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I personally love Harry's because it gives me a close shave, easy glide, all at that low price that we all love. So please do us a favor and check out harrys.com slash blue wire for your free trial today. You may be thinking, what is so special about Harry's? Well, it's not just the quality, the durable blades, all at a very fair price, which is just $2 per blade, but blades will be refilled and delivered directly to your door on your schedule, with or without a subscription. Really, there's no risk to trying this out. If you don't love your shave, let Harry's know and they'll give you a full refund. So please, listeners of my show can redeem their Harry's trial at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip. 5-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with alloy to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. So please go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. The holiday rush is coming. And if you sell stuff online, you better get ready with ShipStation. With more people buying online than ever before, you have to be able to ship orders quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all those orders? Or decide which shipping carrier to use? Or if you're getting the best rates? Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. Please, no matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers including USPS, FedEx, and UPS so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal at ShipStation. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Please take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use my offer code BLUE to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation, make ship happen. Other other points about this game, Nick, that I was interested in hearing uh,
1: your take was, What did you make of DeAndre Baker in this game? Because I'm trying to, this is one thing I really want to see on the All-22, you know, how Kenny Galladay had six catches for 123 yards in this one, because we know 41 of those 123 yards were on that trick play where, you know, the Giants got burned over the top. Kenny Galladay also caught a third and two from around the goal line where if the Giants you know get this ball out they force a key field goal but DeAndre Baker gets his hands on it he's right there in coverage but Galladay's hand really strong and makes the catch besides that really the Lions racked up the majority of their yardage with 95 from Amendola and then 49 on that one play to Marvin Hall the slot bird so really the Giants did a good job of shutting down everyone consistently besides Amendola and Galladay so do you put that on Baker? Or is
2: it really something we have to wait to see the all 22 for? I mean, the all 22 will help, but my takeaways from Baker was that he actually had a pretty good game i'm excited to dive into the all 22 but a lot of the times he was in phase with the receiver he was where he was supposed to be now i want to watch the touchdown play to hall because there was the underneath route that went towards the outside and baker went down on that and i want to see if maybe was that his responsibility to take the deep Did he bite down low not 100 sure we'll have to wait to see but there was the one play i think on the first drive of the lions where baker read the route concept saw matt stafford's eyes saw the check down reacted came down Down and nailed the receiver who caught the ball, and I was like, okay, DeAndre Baker showing that physicality, showing that confidence. He seemed like he was in phase from what I saw, and even on that touchdown catch to Galladay, he had his hands on it. He was there. It's just Galladay's a bigger, more physical person at this juncture of their careers. So I'm actually really excited to see the All 22 view of just exactly how he kept up with Galladay. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was
1: right on the receiver's hip the whole game. I thought he he was he was really strong coverage. I really want to see what happened. On those other, you know, four catches that Kenny Galladay made there, because kind of outlined the two already. But for me, Nick, one of the turning points in this game, even more so maybe than the penalty, um, was after the Lions fumbled the ball up 31-19. It was right away when. You know, Jabril Peppers comes in and makes that really key, potentially game-changing play to strip the ball from Kenny Galladay, recovered by Bethea, and now the Giants take over Detroit 38, and on second and three, Jones really layers that really nice deep ball right to Cody Latimer that really drops in right over the top, hits him in the hands for a gain of 18, and I want to see what the Giants saw, I want to see what Daniel Jones saw, and I want to see what Pat Shermer, the play caller, saw, on first and 10 from the Detroit 13 after that big play with 428 left in the fourth, just a key moment in this game when you just can't afford to screw up. I want to see what he saw to call that run play up the middle of Saquon Barkley because uh, ex-Giant Devin Kennard, which really sucks to see, makes an awesome play here. Um, and a play that just looks dead from the start and he stops it for a two-yard loss. And now the Giants are faced with a second and 12 from the Detroit 15. Um It's really such a bad spot to be in. The the field shortens. The safeties can creep up. You don't want to put yourself behind the sticks when you get into those first and goal. It's why it's really important to get a positive gain on that first down or at least take a shot to the end zone. One of the two things needs to happen, um, which is why sometimes it's disadvantageous, I should say, to run the ball down there. Now, if he sees a favorable box there, I'm for it. If Devin Canard just made an incredible play, Nick, there in a box where the Giants should have ran out, I'm for it. But if it's another situation where I'm looking at it on the All-22, Nick, and I see that the Giants are running at an unfavorable box with more defenders in the box than the Giants can block, I am just going to start to question what's going on here with the play calling. And and I really what I want to know is if Daniel Jones has any say over audible at the line of scrimmage, because I didn't really see much of that. You saw it last week kind of where you had that communication with Cody Latimer against the Cardinals to hit him on that quick hitter for the third down. But that's something I want to zone in on, Nick. And just overall, what was your kind of assessment of of the Giants decision. Did you, were you able to kind of get a look at what, how those box stack boxes stacked up against what the Giants were blocking? Not exactly. Yeah. Uh, I guess guess we need, we we need to see the the entire game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I get it. But, um, you know, it's just such a key moment there because the Giants obviously turned the ball over on downs a few plays later, fourth and 11 from Detroit 14. And you know, that's a drive where if they score that touchdown there, they then force a punt by Detroit. Because, you know, Detroit right there is then in conservative mode, even after the Giants scored a touchdown. there would still be about 3.30 left on the clock there, four minutes left on the clock. And the Giants will get the ball back with a chance to go down. and sc- They did end up scoring a touchdown. They went four yeah. plays 50 yards and scored a touchdown. But, you know, it would have been potentially a touchdown to give them a lead. So just another key turning point in this game. Um, overall... You know, what did you make of kind of the Giants wide receivers in this game? You had Golden Tate, who really, again, stood out and shined to me, eight receptions for 85 yards. You had Barkley, eight receptions for 79 yards in this game, had that awesome play where to me, he kind of started to look like his old self and he broke out of three tackles and got an extra six (laughs) yards. Um... For the reception. Gallman threw in a 20-yard reception. Really, they spread the ball around. Slayton had a, had his two touchdown receptions for 50. Evan Ingram, four for 40 with the touchdown. So, you know, Cody Latimer got involved in the mix a little bit. They kind of spread the ball around. Like I said, there were four different receivers in this game. What did you make of the Giants' passing game in general? And why are they able to find so much ease, I guess?
2: I think they found ease, if we're going to be realistic. Because big play Slay was not on the field. And they just traded Quandre sure. Diggs to Seattle. So, this is a yeah. secondary that was... Uh, ailing I guess you could say and I hear there's a lot of people that are really mad at the fact that they traded Diggs Diggs was a good young safety a really interchangeable piece for that defense that they just got rid of for draft picks kind of questionable but we're not alliance podcast, where we're not going to analyze that hmm. but it did seem like they were just a little bit out of place sometimes when the Giants were able to take advantage of that I thought they all showed up well though this is what I expect from Golden Tate tough getting those tough yardage and Slayton is the one that impresses me the most because he is that fifth round rookie we've talked about him plenty on this podcast and he came up with two huge catches and huge high leverage moments bailing out his quarterback not necessarily bailing out that might not be the right terminology but being on the same page with his quarterback daniel jones like this is a perfect time for back shoulder slayton knew it was going to be back shoulder he stops pulls up catches that ball even though there was covered right on top of him that is a big boy play right there from the giant's own big play slay so I really liked what I saw from even the ancillary pieces like Latimer and Benny Fowler and again that pass interference on Fowler you see that time and time again there was a Mike Evans touchdown today that I saw where Mike Evans like shoved the guy to the ground and they didn't call it so that was another bogus call by the refs but the Giants need to win these games refs sucking or not they need to step up and they need to look themselves in the mirror as a team and find ways to win these close games because they're just going to keep losing like this. People are going to start losing their jobs. And next thing you know, Jack's going to be picking in the top six or something. Yeah. And on that note, I mean, the Giants have said their players have said
1: they're going to call a players only meeting. They have to stop losing They say at 12 and six. And like, you know, what changes do you think might come out of this? Because you think about somebody like Grant Haley, right? I think I would be ready to make a change, but you just look at the box score here and just look at the numbers. It's going to be hard for the Giants to see some of the positive plays he made on tape and not want to keep him in there. Considering he, you know, had seven solo tackles, second most or top on the team behind uh, with DeAndre Baker. Who, you know, people said made a business decision last week. That guy played pretty tough to me, and he led the team in tackles. But Haley had a sack on yeah. a really good blitz. He had a tackle for a loss. He had a QB hit. So it's going to be tough. I. think. But my my issue Nick is this, if you're not going to make a change because of what he adds from a physicality standpoint and in the run game and you're going to admit to the fact that you're not making a change because he knows your system and you're putting him in a really complicated role in a in a in a spot where he needs to be able to know a lot of things and you don't feel Julian Love can do that or any of the guys that are really in the mix there, then you got to maybe question if your defense is the right is the right defense to to consistently win because a defense like this which i like and again i loved betcher's concept is only as good as as healthy as the team can stay because when you have to start mixing in different players and getting in new talent like the nfl is the nfl is a what have you done for me late me job and there's injuries all the time that change the complexity of a franchise, and the roster, then you got to start to wonder, is this the best fit? Because they're going to need to switch in guys. If if Haley keeps getting burned in coverage, there's just no other option than getting him off the field. So that's something I want to see as the Giants head into this next game. They're going to have some extra preparation, extra rest. Is it time to pull the plug on Haley? Because I believe it is, and if it's not, how much weight are they putting in his
2: knowledge of the system and his physicality? That's the thing. In order to pull the plug, you need to have a sufficient piece to fill in and everybody on that team is so young and so raw I mean you're talking about Ballantyne and Love are two third day rookie picks and Beal somebody who spent his entire rookie season on the IR with an, an injury so you have all of these young pieces your secondary who these secondary pieces when it comes to the safeties are incredibly important to how Betcher's scheme works and Bethay knows that system in and out but Bethea is over the hill and every Giant fan knows that so you kind of need the right pieces to make this system work and that's why we see all these lapses and when it comes to Grant Haley I agree with you to be honest I do feel like he can play some of these snaps but on some of these third downs you got to try to sub them out but they know their personnel the Giants and if those guys aren't ready I mean, it could be an indictment, you could say, on them. But if the system is really complicated, maybe you do try to dumb it down. It's easier said than done, especially when these coaches have their way. It's their way or the highway kind of thing. And my thing is, Grant Haley, so great against the run, right? Huge liability against the pass. Is Julian Love and Ballantyne, if it isn't the mental thing, are they just scrubs against the run? Like, Are they not going to be effective Mm -hmm. at all against the run? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure they will still be somewhat effective. They might not be as good as Haley. But they'll still be effective, and I think we can all agree as Giants fans that this third down, the fact that every team going back to Washington is just attacking Haley deep horizontally exactly. every way, it has to stop.
1: Yep, and you're right. It's every other way. This game, the Lions beat the, the Giants with this same blueprint that we keep seeing the, the opposing offense to beat the Giants with. It's attack the slot where Amendola averaged 11.9 yards per catch and it's attacked the vertical slot, and it's attacked the – that that lack of rangy safety so it's attack the slot one-on-one it's attack the slot vertically it's put the pressure on the fact that the giants don't have range at the safety position and that's really the difference in a game like this i mean matt stafford averaged 10.7 yards per pass attempt that's ridiculous that should never happen in a football game giants allowed 10.7 yards per pass attempt in a game where they had four sacks so it's not like they didn't get any pressure here in this game and really what you're seeing is again the blueprint on the giants attack the slot, and attack them over the top. And if you don't feel like you have a safety in place to replace Bethay on this roster, I understand how hard it seems to be. For not just the Giants, all NFL teams, to find a good, solid range safety, and it really is difficult. You look around the NFL, there are not that many teams. There at least are ways to find better coverage in the slot one-on-one. You see tons of teams turn teams, sorry, turning over late-round picks, Free agents that people cast off into good slot players. The Giants have options moving forward. They need to consider Sam Beal. They need to consider moving maybe Baker or Jenkins inside on, uh, uh, you know, in nickel with Beal on the outside. They need to consider getting Julian Love up to speed. They got to see where they're at with Ballantyne, but there has to be some change there because otherwise the book on the Giants is going. The book on beating the Giants will remain the same. Uh, Nick, I did want to get your take. Um, kind of another quiet game for Dexter Lawrence who really started off his Giants career on a tear. And then last week was a little quiet, at least in the stat sheet. Same, same for today. What you kind of see against the Cardinals that they
2: used to slow him down and what maybe did you see today? I mean, today I saw a lot of two down looks again, sort of the same stuff we bitched about last week, but I still see him getting washed down. The angles that I feel like they'll, I feel like just from what I saw from the all 22 last week, they are having the far, interior linemen say if Lawrence is at the one tech they'll have the guard block aggressively down and back
1: it up let's back it up a bit here so when you say Lawrence is at the one tech because I know a lot of people oftentimes ask us to kind of break this down a little further and in more layman's terms so they can get caught up to speed and I think that's a really good general rule for us, um, on the pod. So let's back it up when you're saying is that the one technique? explain to everybody where he's lined up.
2: Yes. So the one technique is the outside shoulder of the center on either side. It could be the backside or the play side, depending on where the, where the offense is going to run the football. And I also refer to it as the three tech, which will be the outside shoulder of the guard. The two I tech is the inside shoulder of the guard. So if you really want to like understand this, just go to Google and look up line techniques football and I'll lay it all out. It's very, very uh simple once it's kind of laid out in front of you. But basically, just going back to Dexter Lawrence, they just will block him down aggressively. They could try to double team him depending on the alignment the Giants are using and if the Giants are showing blitz and they'll just wash him away or they'll run away from him. Now, again, with this, haven't seen the All-22 yet, so I'm kind of interested to see exactly what happened, but it did seem like... The Cardinals, a little bit, they washed him down, and they ran right at the linebackers and attacked those linebacker positions, and they used things like delays. We saw that with the one touchdown run by Chase Edmonds last week where Kyler Murray just looked at Larry Fitzgerald, Alec Ogletree backed up in the coverage, and then they just attacked while all the linemen were getting washed away, so – I'm excited to see the all 22 when it comes to this because line is kind of hard to evaluate without that all 22, but I'm still hoping that he's getting the push, getting up field, but it hasn't been as evident as it was in the first couple weeks of the
1: season. Yep. That's interesting to think about. I mean, hopefully it's not teams are adjusting for him. Hopefully it's just kind of the matchups here for, for Lawrence and the giants. One other interesting note about this game. Uh, the lions did not actually punt the ball until 1:46 remaining, uh, right before halftime. I mean, the the Giants really struggled to get the Lions off the field. They once again, after that first punt, didn't even punt the ball again until very late in the game. After they made that fourth down stop with three minutes ago in the third quarter, or sorry, in the fourth quarter, just two punts by the Lions. The Giants defense just not getting off the field, um, and that's kind of really sums it up there. Is there anyone else you wanted to touch on, either now defense or offensive side of the ball today, before we kind of have some time to break and then take a
2: look at the All Twenty Two? Yeah, no, I'm just excited to take a look at the All-22. DeAndre Baker was the one person I really wanted to touch on, but we already did that. Hmm. Yep, without a doubt. And
1: I'm also excited to dive into the All-22. There's a lot I want to see. I want to see, again, why the Giants were running on those first and tens. I want to see what happened on all of those third and longs, the the Detroit Lions converted. And then I also want to see Daniel Jones again, because seeing this game from the All-22 is going to be interesting. I mean, he really lit it up for 322, and he— made some really good passes in this game and to me just really seemed to settle in. And so looking forward to all that. Thanks again for tuning in for everyone who's now joined us for our quick takeaways and our reaction show. And obviously for the All-22 breakdown coming later this week, we're going to try to get that one out on um, normal timing this week. We're excited to do that as well, like we said. Um, and again, if anybody wants to really help support the podcast, just do us a favor, tell your friends, um, tell your family, tell anyone you talk Giants football with because I really think they would enjoy it. And Again, as long as you could just download, rate, review, do all those type of things on iTunes, they'll never ask for anything else from from me, at least. Um, and on that note, you can follow my work at Dan Schneier NFL. Um, Nick, tell us, tell 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 the fans where they can follow your work. Yes, Nick Falato on Twitter. That's just N I C K F A L A T O. Yep. And as usual, you guys can expect some breakdowns there as well uh, when we get a chance to dive into this all 22 game tape. On that note. Go Giants seems like a bad, bad thing to say at this point at two and six. Go Daniel Jones. Keep the improvement up because this was a really good step forward for the rookie quarterback uh, in his rookie season. So on that note, we'll talk to you guys later this week.